Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. What is going on? You get a double dose of the BXP crew this week. A little pre-Thanksgiving, a little post-Thanksgiving, football, basketball. It's been a good week for the Boilermakers and the BXP crew. Welcome. I'd like to introduce, well, wrong way, Frank and Dylan, Russ and Damon or sleeping off turkey or whatever they're doing russ is in the home and they took he away the, the internet home. they so. took away they they just shut the switch off to he the started internet. yelling at basketball <laughs> games and they're like all right this is enough this, this old bastard <laughs> we can't be doing this <laughs> right but we want to remind you guys that we are part of the big banter sports network a bunch of 13 different teams and schools that are covered everybody's super awesome there it's great time we do the collabs like we did a couple days ago with the leo podcast great pod that was that was a lot yeah that was a really that was a really fun time um be sure to check out cincy blitzboards at cincyblitzboards.com they are a a boiler ran organization dylan's got one down here um (laughs) have you not got one yet no i've got my garage it's It's in in my garage it's mounted up in my garage he uses his he plays yeah he uses he plays the game mine's just so like fancy looking i don't want right to that, yeah so. no, no they just, look so nice i wouldn't yeah. want to i wouldn't want to no. like risk I, like you should order two yeah. one to mount and then one to play they're making me a couple for birthday pre- or birthday christmas presents oh nice that's awesome it's the lord's birthday it's someone's birthday yeah. Yeah. right exactly but those are a, a sponsor of the podcast they are a boilermaker owned company and they do great work also martin vintage an awesome like i love old school shirts and like the old school things and stuff like that i russ really does because that's about his time as was, starting at it yeah he was there to see it all you know Brings the moon, land, moon landing the gaysburg address and stuff <laughs> uh, so uh check out their vintage purdue apparel if you use bxp at checkout you get 10 percent off your order they are a great company and they are in Dylan can't do math. <laughs> no, um, it's weird. It's different. Okay. One, I can't do math. And two, it's backward. It's my dumb brain. All right. Listen, I tried. Yeah. Well, it's almost a year to the day that we had another fantastic week for Purdue basketball. And I think that all the boys here could agree that it was another great week. Um, the yeah, boys, fun. the boys in black and gold traveled out to Maui and played in the Maui Invitational, playing against probably the stack most stacked field that uh pre a preseason again, yeah. <laughs> uh, like that that's a that's a weekly thing now Dylan yeah. just disappears yeah so. that was probably uh, right but frank would you agree that that is probably outside the pk85 last year and that might be a little bit of my own bias there one of the most stacked uh preseason thanksgiving tournaments that we've had in recent um, memory i wish i would have looked that up um but yeah i i I can't think of a uh of a more stacked field and that pk85 last year was insane yeah and what you know what's crazy is that you know they put these together um like over a year out so at least a year because i know 2024's um hey buddy the san diego invitational or whatever it is um that's already set Mm-hmm. And I think that's got a pretty decent lineup. I think Texas, maybe Alabama or Arkansas or something. You know, there's a couple decent teams in there. And that whole tournament was was filled with really great games. Oh, yeah. um, be yeah. it uh, Marquette and Kansas was really good. Obviously, all the Purdue games were really close. Um, even Gonzaga, even though we won by 11, was still a really solid game for most of it. Yeah, but, I think, uh, you know, watching Marquette and Kansas, I thought, you know, Marquette did a good job of making them, making Kansas play Marquette's game. Yeah. Uh, and I and honestly got a little nervous. I'm like, man, Marquette yeah. looked really good because Kansas is not able to do what they want to do right now. 
No, um, no. So the thing that worried me a lot was because I was still stuck in last year's mode with how slow of a pace we played and how much Marquette sped up Kansas into being uncomfortable. But it seemed like during that Marquette game, there was only about a two, two and a half minute sequence where we felt kind of out of control. But the rest of the time seemed very, very clean. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think we, you know, we, we struggled to get into a rhythm uh, at the beginning. Um, but like guys were still scoring, right? You know, yeah. Trey Kaufman ran, hit a, hit a pop three. That was, that was huge. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Braden got to the basket. Um, you know, I think, I mean, he, what he, we went seven for nine in the first half from three. Yeah. And like while we were scoring, we weren't necessarily in a flow, but I just felt like it almost seemed like our goal was to score outside of Zach. Zach didn't have his first basket until like the 13 minute mark of yeah. the first half, nor did which, he attempt one, which honestly, that's something I want to see against those really good teams, because I think I, I blew it up during the, the group chat, the Marquette and Tennessee game. I'm convinced last year we don't win that game because of how much we rely on Zach Eady. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, even though Purdue continues to, continue to score like they, they continue to win those minutes without Zach Eady. Um, you know, this narrative that, you know, Purdue relies so heavily on Zach Eady is just continued to perpetuate. And that is true to some extent, but like what team doesn't rely on their best player, you right. know, to a degree, um, which is, uh, that's just kind of silly, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Braden Smith drives to the basket on the first possession of that game and, you know, TKR notices it and just seals off his man and like lets yeah. him have it. But man, we it, like, let's, it- I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like this the team was very close last year, but this year it seems like it's a lot more connected. Like guys are re uh, guys are reacting because they know what other guys are gonna do instead of what the play is designed to do, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Um I mean, yeah, let's I think I think Braden deserves a decent amount of attention oh, dude. Uh, in this episode because <laughs> yes, like we saw so like we've been we've been seeing it all season, like in transition, just let Edie set a high ball screen for Braden, and if the defense goes under, if they they uh, drop on him, he's gonna fire. Yeah, I think Tennessee respected it a little bit, but Marquette was the first team to really, really respect it, and that's why we yeah. were hitting from three. It was kind of this domino effect. Yeah, you know, guys were switching on Braden, getting mismatches down low, forcing double teams, getting guys wide open in three. Yeah, and like that's what you want. You want Edie to draw the double team and find find open shooters and have them have them go down. Yeah. And I think the I think the interesting part too was, you know, we always talk about it's either score down low or score from three. And Braden has really meshed that in between. You know, he's hitting that foul line extended jumper almost consistently. Where, yeah, it's weird. It's like you you do expect it to go in at this right, point. Yeah. At this point, that's kind of what I've just kind of thought will happen. So it's been and that's seems- nice. That seems very, I don't want to use the phrase anti-painter, but I can't think of a better one, right? Because fa- painter is a very fact-driven guy. And like, yeah, you know, we're, we're in the era of this offensive explosion where, you know, especially at the pro level, teams are just setting new offensive records every season. And how they're doing it is they're just understanding that like the mid-range shot is like kind of a last resort. Um, and, you know, painters try to emulate that. But I think that, you know, with how much we seem to be embracing it this season, it's, it's, um, you know, Painter talked about making changes, and maybe that's what, you know, one of them is that, you know, we, we saw it against Xavier a lot where they were giving that shot to him and he was taking it. So, um, yeah, as long as he keeps going in, keep doing it. Yeah. And I think, I think he's definitely built his confidence up because it seemed last, it seemed like last year he was very indecisive in some of his decision making going into Big Ten season. Like he was very aggressive through non con. And then once they, they boiler up OHIO podcast, beat those stupid there. Wolverines. Yeah, <clears> please, <throat> please. Yeah, the entire that. country is on your side this week. Really? I think this is like yeah. the first time ever. Well, no, I mean, you got to think a lot of people probably want Ohio State to win, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. the entire country is rooting for Ohio State. Except right? for the state of Michigan. Who <laughs> yeah. gives a damn about them? Right. But no, I think, I definitely think that, uh, Ooh, oh, wow. got wow. a nice comment here. Uh, it's in quotes too. <sighs> hey, can we get a Mackie background, Dylan? Yeah, for sure. To Steve's be fair, Rossi. to be fair, I don't have access to the the insides of uh, of uh, Streamyard. Yeah. This uh, so our wonderful streaming me, platform, about- which is wonderful. We're not going to complain at all. But uh, 
they charge you a lot of money if you want to have you know another admin to be able to hey david where are you huh at least i'm on the podcast at least i'm here at least i show up twice a week where are you you have a family and a child and whatnot what a shame so so question question for you all uh over the summer when we we became affiliated with big banter you know all all of us podcasts we communicate uh and we 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 kind of jab each other but one of the things that was talked about it's at some point during the summer uh was i'm sick and tired of hearing about braden smith sick and tired of hearing about braden smith braden smith's overrated i'm sick and tired of hearing about how how braden smith's taking the next step and is the next biggest thing has braden met our expectations or does he still have a little bit to go or has he over overachieved where how do you feel about braden yeah for right now so for this year in my opinion He's met those expectations because I think he still has the opportunity to grow because there's still times that he kind of goes a little Carson or Ivy-esque where he tries to do too much. He tries to make that really zippy pass that gets stolen or he takes kind of like a contested three when we've passed the ball once. But he has improved immensely in the last 12 months. So... He's done everything I'd expected, but I still think there is more room to. Damn it! I still think there's more room to grow um, for his play, which is kind of scary because he's he's definitely at a point where I think he could be an honorable mention or a third team All American. Yeah, and uh, um, you know Jordan Sperber from from Hoot Vision, uh, who's a fantastic watch. If you none of you yeah. have seen him. Um, but he he put out a great video today about how Purdue was able to to win the um, Maui Invitational, and he dropped a stat which I need to confirm. But he's top twenty five in the country at shooting coming off of ball screens, which is crazy. Yeah, especially crazy for a guy who is you know three star recruit. You know, had one high major offer as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that just you know a testament to Painter and his you know evaluation abilities. But you know we well, do have a comment here so far. He's turning the ball over at the same rate, but he's getting more assists. That is true. Uh, yeah, his turnover percentage is like exactly the same as it was last season. It's hovering right around 21. Yeah. But his assist percentage is up 12%. So, I mean, and, and that that even trickles up to the pro level too. The best passers have the most turnovers. Seems uh, so, like a high risk, high reward. Yeah. And I mean, and sometimes like he's going to be the guy that's going to make the highlight real pass. And he's also yeah. going to be the guy that's going to be like, what were you doing? You know, that's, uh, you know, that was kind of silly. Interesting comment here. How he used to dribble himself into a trap made me want to walk into traffic. Yeah, I mean uh, the uh, the Big Ten tournament from last yeah. season comes in comes to mind uh, yep. especially. Um, but yeah, I think I think schematically we're doing some things to kind of relieve some pressure off of him, like sending yeah. more guys up to help. Um, yeah. yeah, you see a lot more back cuts and and things like that. And I will agree with Damon. Um, Lance has taken a lot of stress off of Braden. I I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting given given Lance's experience, you know, mostly at a point guard, we're, we're still having Braden take the ball off the court in these pressure situations. So Painter must have a lot of trust in him. It's either um, trust you know, in him that. or he wants a trusted um, uh, uh, safety valve. Yeah, for him to have if he gets into trouble. But no, one thing I, I thought about, I thought about Braden. You know, when I th- think about last season, it felt like he didn't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. He didn't know what his role was, right? He didn't know if he was supposed to be a pass first guy or a score first guy. Yeah. Right. And like, and that, that's hard as a freshman, especially as a right. freshman starter. A red shirt now freshman. It's like he, where you were playing high school teams a year ago. Yeah. And so now he understands that like, Hey man, if, if you're open, shoot it. Right. You know, like if, if you have a driving lane, take it. And we're seeing him score through traffic. You know, we're yeah. seeing him. He's taking contact. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's a, uh, yeah. He's, I almost he's feel like, game. I almost feel like Painter's just giving him a green light. If he thinks he can score, he can go. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and and yeah. it's good to you know he it's good to know that his decision making has you know earned Painter's respect in that regard. Uh, Damon here going to be interested to see how things continue as team starts to figure out Purdue and see how Purdue adapts to that. I think we've kind of seen that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I in would Maui, agree with that, Chris. Yeah, um, I think that we saw a lot of. Um, like was it Gonzaga or Tennessee that was cool with playing ED one on one to prevent the three? 
Um, I was a little bit of both, but yeah. Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. Gonzaga. And like, that's where I think that we, we did a, a better job of just sticking to the plan. And, and Damon, I totally understand being six games in, but my thought process is, is those six games aren't against like Southern Mississippi for the mute. Um, so a lot of those teams, you know, these honestly, I would say the Tennessee and the Marquette game felt like final four games. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've, we've gone again, we've gone against a lot of different types of defense. You know, we've gone against Tennessee who, you know, Rick Barnes said going into the half that, Hey, we're playing a physical game and no one decided to inform the refs. And then once they complain about fouls, yeah. uh, immediately following that, even though there's 162 fouls in that game. Yeah, I mean, so so we saw. Yeah, I mean, and, and God, just to talk about that for a second, it, like, what? How egregious was it of him to talk about the referees? Because right. you know, Edie had two calls. There were two calls that went against Edie. One where he was held back, and the guy and the Tennessee player whose name escapes me right now botched the dunk. And so was like, it like a, a Edie was fouled. Yeah, yeah, Edie was fouled. He botched the dunk, bounces it off the rim, and they call Edie for a foul. And there's literally no contact at all. So he didn't complain yeah. about that going into yeah. the half. He didn't, so he didn't complain about the two points they got free off of that. Nor did he complain about the two Tennessee players colliding, falling on the ground, Edie and being somehow, five feet away yeah. and calling Edie for a foul on that. So, like, yeah. I mean, you win some, you lose some. Right. And so, like, like oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did take the technical uh, as well, which, yeah. you know, you can argue that fires players up or gets referees to listen, but... Yeah. I just thought so, that was kind of low class to yeah. to call out the referees like that. Yeah. So I will uh, I will address Damon's comment. Um, no, but still, last year started the same way. But last year, I felt like I mean, what last year we were thirtieth in defensive defensive efficiency in Ken Palm at this point, and That's this year, right, yeah, th- this year we're fifth. You know, yeah. like I think I think the biggest difference to me. And Frank, you're the you're the stats guy, so you understand this way better than I do. But I think the the effectiveness we've had on the defensive side has has been what's kind of not won us games, but at least kept ugly games close. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I mean, especially in the first half against Marquette, um, Purdue did a really good job of of running them off the line and just taking away their threes. You know, and so so Painter um, uh, Painter made a comment and that like, you know, Tyler Kolick, Osui Godaro are going to do their thing. Like and, and like you just have to basically decide when you play Marquette, what are you going to what are you going to give up? Right. And so give like up the he three would, or give up a guaranteed two. Well, and, and he was he was his decision was to let like Kolick and Igadaro kind of do their thing, like contest it as best you can, but take yeah. away threes. Yeah, and so for the most part, we did that. They're a pretty good shooting team. They didn't shoot the ball that well, uh, especially in the first half. They got a couple open in transition, yeah, uh, which is hard to guard. But you know, I just feel like you know, defensively, we had I didn't expect defense to carry us as far as it has. Yeah. I'll just say that much. Yeah. Um, so Nick here says I may be crazy, but do you guys feel like the talent is down this year too? And compared to last year, I feel like this is the best shot at a natty we're going to have. I would I wouldn't agree with that because we added Lance Jones, Miles Colvin, and Cam Heady, who are just athletic freaks that we just didn't have last year, and that's why we were like what two hundred seventieth in the country in pace. Yeah, we were one of the slowest teams. No, we we were we were we we cracked the three hundred mark last season oh. in pace. Um, we were one of the one of the slowest teams. Uh, addressing a few few viewer comments here. Uh, last year we were unknown this year we're known. So we started out with a better rating. No. Um, so, I mean, so as far as Ken Palm goes, he does make it kind of a black box, uh, in terms of how he does his rankings. He does factor in some stuff from previous seasons, especially really early on, usually by December, it's everything that's in there is from last season, but you know, his rankings are entirely based on what happens on the court and has nothing to do with like expectations or, or, uh, opinion. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that we have gone from, I think we started the season like close to 20th in defense and we've worked yeah. our way up to third and now we're fifth. Yeah. Uh, it's purely, purely at this point, purely due to what we've done on the court. Yeah. Um, I think Edie's done a good job of just going straight up and making like a, you know, just creating a difficult shot. Uh, and that, learning also when to block as well. 
that and Edie's footwork is considerably better from from a like when he goes into drop, he seems a lot more comfortable on that closeout. Yeah. Frank, you wouldn't you would know that better than I would, but no, no, he he definitely does. Um there were a couple a couple possessions against Marquette where I I felt like he just maybe didn't give the best effort. Outside of that, though, I felt like he's looked pretty good defensively. He's quicker. Uh, he's making better decisions. He's not dropping in every possession like we saw last season. Yeah. Now, I mean, there are some games, I know, against Rutgers last season, against Penn State in the tournament, he was switching. But um, he's playing up higher on the drop as well and just, you know, choking guys' ability to get to the lane and kind of blow yeah. past him. But, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize he'd lost a little bit of weight in the yeah. offseason. He um, seems a little faster. That. Uh, Nick met, Nick said, uh, no, I meant opposing teams talent. Um, no, I, I honestly think Marquette is, is pretty loaded. Um, Tennessee is the big thing that I thought about with Tennessee is that they, Rick Barnes is a, he is like a Steelers coach when it comes to just like hard nosed defense and make it work on the offense. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's always been the big question about Tennessee, you know, is is you know what you're going to get defensively, but can they score? You know, and, yeah. and that that goes back as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um. But I, when I think about like it's still early, as yeah. we've talked about, but like, I mean, realistically, Michigan State stacked. They haven't been able yeah. to put it all together. Yeah. But like, they are a stacked team, you know, talent wise. Come February, they could be terrifying. I mean, UNC, they have a lot of experience. Again, they've dropped a couple games now, but like they're a really good team. I was, I had somebody on Twitter and was talking about like, it just seems like with Armando Baycock coming back and some of the pieces they've had come back, they like just can't meet that level of the final four team that they did a couple years ago. It just seems very, I don't know. They just seem out of whack. If that makes address sense. Some, some comments here. They're stacking up here. Seeing oh, TKR's yeah. improvement has been nice. He can bully his way into the paint. He, Agreed. Yeah. And yes. that run, I think it was against Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. That run where, where Edie got in foul trouble and he just, or no, it was, it was against Gonzaga. He, he went, you know, six straight points. Um, you know, he hit that three early in the game against Marquette. Yeah. Um, and, and, and listening to him, you know, and one in the post game interview after Gonzaga, he is, um, He's a confident guy, yeah. uh, like borderline arrogant. I didn't yeah. expect that from him. Um, so that was uh, that that was really uh, yeah. really good to see. And he's a was, very skilled player, and that's what people have said. Like, what? Why is he starting? Why is he starting? Yeah. There's been a lot of that lately. You know, yeah. this guy should be on the bench. That guy should be on the yeah. bench. TKR is on the floor almost exclusively with Edie, so he's just not going to get as many opportunities. It's unfortunate, yeah. but that, like that's the reality. But honestly, when we go to that small ball where where TKR is at the five. I want to say Mason's at the four. And then we go from there and Mason or uh, TKR gets it on that low block. And he just like bullies his way into the lane. That is one of my favorite plays that we do. Cause I just love seeing him be that physical. Cause we just didn't see that last year. Well, and he, uh, he said in, in one of the post game interviews that there are some spots that he knows if he's on the court and he's being guarded one-on-one, he's going to score every time and he's going to yeah. look to score every time. And it's just like, it. that's why I say like, he's confident. He's borderline arrogant, yeah. which, which I don't have a problem with. It just surprised me because he's kind of a, you don't see that in his demeanor in terms of how he plays. Right. All right. So interesting comment here yeah. or not, but a good comment here. Marquette is one of the better young coaches uh, in college football and shock mm-hmm. is smart. Someone who has buck. I'm assuming basketball. If we need a new coach soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric's got football on his mind, but yeah, Shaka's a, I've always really liked Shaka. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him, uh, like how he's transitioned. Right. Cause you know, at, at at VCU, he was known for his diamond press, like his madman, Mm -hmm. that that kind of havoc. I think he called it early. Yeah. They followed him said, yes, he meant basketball, (laughs) but yeah. So just that chaos. And then we saw some of that at Texas and like he, he didn't have a ton of success at Texas. I think uh, he was, he was fired. He didn't leave because Chris Mm -hmm. Beard came in. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to Marquette and he's chained together some really good seasons there. So, and uh, I, and I feel like personality wise, he's great. And I love, like, like you hear him talk about Purdue and you hear him talk about Painter. Like, he, he has the, a ton of the respect. amount of respect. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, Nick, I really enjoy the, um, his fire, if that yeah. makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Nick wants to know about UConn. I mean, yeah, I think UConn, uh, you know, talent wise, like they lost, um, heck, what's his name to the NBA? Yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy last season, they lost him to the NBA and they lost Sonogo, but you know, they've kind of just picked up uh, where yeah. they left off. You know, uh, Donovan Klingens in the conversation at least for National Player of the Year. I don't see why he's still. not going to win it, but. Um, you know, and like, it doesn't matter to me whether Edie wins it again or not. Like, I genuinely don't care. I care more about, you know, winning in the tournament. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just haven't seen that from Donovan Klingon yet. Tristan Newton's back. Um, you know, so he's obviously going to be a, a tough guy to guard. Um, yeah. Nick Burris want to see more of Heidi. That kid is yeah. good. Agreed. Agreed. He is. And honestly, where he makes the biggest impact right now is on the defensive end. Like mm-hmm. he, like he is especially on ball. He's really, really good yeah. on ball. I and will say this. Take some of those minutes from Morton too, yeah. which is crazy. I will say this. You will see Heidi be a all big 10 defensive team. And he will be our next defensive guy that we've had over the last 10 years. And that's the, you know, that's the thing offensively. Yeah. He, he, he's great. Um, we, we've seen him hit some open threes, which he obviously mm-hmm. is, you know, is a good sign for a freshman. We've seen he's dangerous in the corner. You close out on him, yeah. he's going to go to the basket. And he's, we've yeah. seen him, you know, hit a, get hit on a couple of lobs this season. He's extremely athletic. Um, hey, Frank, carry it for a second. I got, I'll be right back. Yeah, sure, be sure. Right here. I'll be yeah. Right. Drop comments. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think Heidi, um, you know, in, in the corners is, is dangerous just because his ability to, to attack the basket. Um, but you know, ultimately defensively is where he's going to make his, his impact most known. Um, and like painters talked about, like, it's unfortunate that when we're so deep, you know, you're only going to run plays for your top three, your top four guys. And so he's not going to get a whole lot drawn up for him offensively, but it's good to see him, uh, kind of capitalize where, uh, when needed. So, uh, and then we have a, uh, comment here. He played college ball at Kenyon college here in Ohio. Uh, was that Shaka smart? If, uh, you're still around. I would love to know if that's the case. Cause if so, uh, I didn't know that. And I'm no longer flying solo. Yeah. I'm short back. Lived. Short lived. I know. <clears throat> so but, I guess Dylan's gone. I guess he's just, he's no, he said he's working on trying to get back in. Yeah. Not yeah. sure what he's got going on, but I think the, uh, and, and I know there's been a lot of talk about bringing, Heidi in to the starting lineup and benching lawyer or this or that, blah, blah, blah. And I made the comment. I made the comment the other day about like, you can't bring all of your talent into the first string, like first line, if we're going to use hockey terms and then have such a drop off to the second team that you end up giving up a 15 point lead. Oh, and and painters talked about, I think the most controversy over who should start where and like starting, especially for a Matt Painter team, like starting doesn't mean much. It really doesn't because, you know, we've seen, you know, for example, Caleb first, he starts the game, but plays eight minutes, you know? So like Mm -hmm. it ultimately like like what matters is who, who finishes the game. Um, But like that, that three position, you have Fletch, you have Colvin, uh, you have Heidi, you have Morton, like, it's just, you know, pick two of those four. And, I mean, that's basically going to be every night. Yeah. But I think the fact that Colvin, you know, comes in off the bench and he's so energetic and so athletic and you bring yeah. him in when the other team's worn down a little bit, like Painter says, like, he likes that. Like, he wants to yeah. continue with that. Because, you know, yeah. you're a little bit tired. And now you have to guard Miles Colvin, who's really fast and he's yeah. really He's just kind of agile. running around in circles, yeah. I do Good like this uh, from the OHIO podcast. Which Big Ten team do you believe will challenge the Boilers the most this season? I'm going to just Chris? I'm just going to say Rutgers from the start because it seems like we always fight those guys all the time and the and I think that they fit that mold of teams we we struggle against in the tournament. Those fast, small, quick kind of kind of teams like that, but other than maybe a Northwestern yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, about three different teams went through my head when I saw mm-hmm. that. Preseason, I would have said Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how much they've struggled on the defensive end this season, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that's still the case. I mean, the, the guys are getting confused on switches. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's bad. Yeah, um, like they just getting... look like they've never played defense before. 
Yeah, and 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 it's it's guys who are experienced too. Yeah. Um. That being said, I think they figure that out come conference play. Uh. So I'm I not going to so. write them off <laughs> entirely. Um. Man, like I I uh, I want to say Michigan State is probably going to be my answer. The only the only caveat to that is we we only play them at Mackey. Yeah, um, and and, and a game like that at Mackey. Well. Yeah. Ooh. And we've had, you know, one of the uh, Michigan State podcasts talk about, you know, they just know when they go to Mackey, it's just going to be a beatdown every year. Yeah. Um, because they are, like, they're going to figure it out. They're not going to continue to shoot as badly as they have. And they've played a tough schedule so far. Um, mm-hmm. You can never count out Iowa, though, against Purdue also. Yeah. It just seems like Iowa's the team that we get up every year. We get a 15-point, 20-point lead on, and then, and then 10 minutes later, it's, it's a three-point game. Like it's so like their ability to press Purdue and get back in to the game has always caused us problems. But between Maryland, Michigan State, and Iowa, I think are really the three the yeah. three big ones. And because of the rivalry aspect, I'll throw in Indiana too. Yeah. I I honestly and this is no dig at Indiana, but I think the recent history with Rutgers, I feel like that is becoming a bigger rivalry. Yeah, I mean and during during the, the the period where Indiana kind of went through their down years, where yeah. Purdue won every game for I think six years, seven years straight, uh, you know the the Archie Miller era. I felt like Michigan State was more of a rival because we were always mm-hmm. battling those guys yeah. for recruits, um, and you know we were typically top, top three in the Big yeah. Ten. So it was always the game that you know the fans showed out for. But you yeah. know with with Rutgers knocking us off twice now uh, after being number one and. Um, you know, kind of. The, Thank uh, God we don't play Rutgers this week after when we get. Yeah, there. yeah, Holy yeah. Jeez. So yeah, Chris, question for you. Uh, yeah. You know, Purdue will, in all likelihood, be ranked number one in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. Um, will be the first Big Ten team ever to be ranked number one three seasons in a row. Yeah. Do you believe Purdue is the best team in the country? And if not, who who would challenge them for that? So I think, and I'm trying to like maintain my homerness with this question. Um, Let it go. Just uh, so you're, I, a, I, you're, you're a talking head. You're not a yeah. Purdue fan right now. Yeah, it's so true. I, um, I think Purdue is the best team in the country because of their defense. the The guard play from Braden Smith has been fantastic, which I will touch on in a minute. Um, Fletcher Lawyer, after some Twitter hate, decided he was going to go bananas. And but the defensive side has been for me in the early six game part of the season, the most impressive part of of the season so far. Not I did not think we would be a top five defense coming into this season. I thought we would do enough to keep us close, but not be kind of smothering, which it it's been at times. Mm-hmm. Um I think that obviously down low you've got the you've got the biggest guy in the country and the most dominant force in the country. Oh, there and, there there are some guys who are taller than him. Actually, I looked yeah. them up today because I I was having an argument on some form of social media about you know he's only good because he's tall. And I found guys yeah. who are taller. Jamarian Sharp, right? You know he's, well, he's seven, seven five. five. Yeah. yeah, and he's averaging five points a game. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know Connor Vanover three points a game. You know from yeah. Missouri now. Yeah. So, you know, he's big, yes, but he's also skilled. Let's right. be realistic. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that um the guard play has been fantastic. And I'm about to and but and the OHIO podcast said Arizona looked really solid to me. Gaylor looked really athletic to me as well. I totally agree. It is it is I kind of think it's very like very close between Purdue and Arizona. Yeah, I think, uh, and, I, I think those are very close, close teams. Yeah, and 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 spoiler alert, um, you know, I think that Baylor. I haven't seen Houston play. I haven't. Um, you know, they're they're number two in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I can't offer an opinion there. Yeah. Uh, UConn, I think, has you know, UConn, I feel like has three really good players. Where mm-hmm. you know. Purdue has Zach Eady, who, you know, is a top three realistic player in college basketball right now. But UConn has three of the top ten. Um, that being said, Purdue, I feel like, is better top to bottom. 
you know, and that like there's They're not balanced. a huge drop off. Yeah, a lot I mean, better. so like we're we're bringing in guys on our bench who have started thirty plus games. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like the one team really that could give them a run would be Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm so excited to go to that game. Oh, in that yeah. Here in a few I weeks. really want to like end up just pulling the trigger and getting tickets to that game. Yeah, I bought them. Uh, I bought them several months ago. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that it's probably between Purdue and Arizona. Um, yeah. And, you know, that game's not really going to decide that for me, probably. Because uh, it's a crazy thing about, like, it's only college basketball where, like, one team beats another team. And then, like, the assumption is, like, the team who won is better. Yeah. You know, like, it's only, and no other sport doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Right. You know. So. Yeah. So, so I'm going to kind of go on my tangent here, Frank. Let's do you- it. If you let me No, it's time Um, today I was watching. I can't remember the game, but it was halftime. I want to say it was on CBS, but they were it might have been the halftime of the. uh, Missouri game or something, I don't remember. Long story short, um, one of the commentators said that the biggest efficiency for Purdue is their guard size. So they're not as big as Arizona. They're not as big as UConn, I think, was the other one that was brought up. And that sent me to the moon. Just for the simple fact that last year, it was the guards are inexperienced. This time, it's the guards are not big enough. Like, the the national, and I understand, losing to Fairleigh Dickinson or losing to whoever we lost to. It's not a good year. look. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's not a it, good look. Yeah, It doesn't look good. But you really delegitimize these players who are playing really good basketball when you try and find reasons to attack them. And and, and I I've tried to look at this with the most like unbiased eye. But like when you when you go to the halftime against Gonzaga, it's like, well, you know, Purdue's got to hit some outside shots. Well, like Purdue hadn't attempted many outside shots in that game. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, yeah, it's 2023. We're playing college basketball. Sure, fair criticism, you know. And so then, then Purdue hit hit some outside shots, and then it's like, well, you know, Purdue Purdue has to show that they can they can handle physicality and they can handle pressure. That was the criticism. Well, let me go yep. play against Tennessee. Uh, and, we handled physicality. Was such a ugly yeah. beatdown. Like that was as physical of a game as I've seen in the last half decade. And so then, you know, Seth Greenberg saying, well, you know, uh, Marquette's a team that gets up into you and, 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 and they pressure the ball and they, they pick you up full court. And, you know, that was Purdue's Achilles heel last year. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Purdue was one of the best teams in the country against the press last yeah. season. They were the 18th Woo! most press team in the country, the second most among all power six teams. And they were in the 92nd percentile against the press. I mean, yeah. like, it just weird oh, yeah. stats and analytics. Tired of that. Tired of that narrative. Oh, um, yeah. Some, uh, but. Um, you know, we saw we we saw him play Marquette, and we saw the pressure get to Braden a little bit. But then we started running, you know, and, and again, it's like the painter can't adjust. Well, we like we saw some great adjustments. Yeah, like they and were I, really blitzing Braden, you know, up to half court. Mm-hmm. You know, he he would he would lift Gillis, he would lift Lance Jones to give him that yeah. outlet pass because we don't have the pick and pop to attack that. Yeah. And then like then we get Edie behind, you yeah. know, the 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 double team, like boom, it's easy from there. And the thing I loved was that Edie or TKR. It didn't matter who it was. They would just kind of walk in front of that guy who was trying to guard Braden up the court just to give him a breather. And I loved it. But now, now the criticism is, well, Purdue needs to make free throws. So, you know, Purdue on the season, 69%. Could it be better? Sure. But, you know, we, we look at UConn last year, 72. We look at Kansas the year before, 70. So, again, we're on you know, par. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, uh, get into discussions on social media, but I do. Yeah. Uh, from I'm time same to way. Time. So I'm like, you're really telling me that the, the 1% did, cause it was like, well, Purdue, Purdue's not a championship team because they miss free throws uh, down, down the stretch. I'm like, well, you know, so you're telling me 1%, that's the difference between, between a championship team and a, you know, and a, uh, a, a team that's going to choke in the first round. Um, yeah. But it just seems like, you know, and, and, you know, it is, it is, it's a fair criticism. We have had, some bad luck in the tournament. But I think Field of 68 said it best, and that if Purdue had made one Final Four in recent years, were we realistically would be looked at as the most dominant program in college basketball right now. 100%. And that's an unbiased opinion. 
that like you take away like we've had like what are we like 68 and 14 like in like I in the so. last like three seasons or something well, i mean it's well crazy. no they said uh 33 and 0 in non-conference, non-conference. Or some yeah. stuff in the last three seasons outside of the tournament yeah i mean yeah. and and like but you, you know, take one of those and it completely changes the narrative and then the you know fairly dickinson it was not Matt Painter's fault. And I will die on this hill. It was not Matt Painter's fault. Mm-mm. Guys going five for 26 from three yeah. is what cost Purdue that game. Yeah. You, you know, hit two more of those shots to win, we win. Yeah. Yeah. All but one of those threes, according to Synergy Sports, were wide open threes. And their definition of wide open is it wasn't a defender within five feet. So it, it just, I mean, yeah. Ryan Klein, if he makes one more free throw, we go to a final four. Yeah, you know, against Virginia. So if they actually start the clock on time against Virginia, yeah, yeah. If Bo Bo Borowski doesn't come from the other side of the court to overrule the the official who you know made the original possession call, yeah, you know, Purdue wins that game. So I mean, uh, granted, there are lots of things that you know go in a lot of variables there, but you know, it's it's not it's not due to bad coaching. I think it's disingenuous to Matt Painter and the program as a whole that we keep getting dogged on. And I know that's a little bit of a Homer thought process, but I just don't think that. Um, I mean, I would say Painter's a top ten coach in the country. I, I just why I think even if he hasn't made a Final Four, uh, I mean. So so are you in the camp of people? Uh, and 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 there still exists. Oh, they they still exist in large quantity. We saw at the uh, Virginia Tech game. Chris, um, mm-hmm. are you in the camp of people who believes that his in-game adjustments are bad and they need improvement? No. No. Neither no. am I. But, no, but they, because because there. what it is is that those are people who don't who don't understand the game past pass ball shoot ball. Yeah, no, and 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 unfortunately, that is the case. And like, because every time, I, every time someone says that, I ask the question, like, "Oh, okay, like, what what would you have liked to see him do differently yeah. in a game that we lost?" And no one has an answer. But like, and it's, you and it's, you and I just talked about the fact that you know you brought Jones up for an outlet, or you have Edie kind of like push that uh, defender off Braden enough. That alone is an in-game adjustment that completely changes the aspect of game. And I always, I always go back to like one of the best games I've ever seen in college basketball in person, but Purdue, Michigan state, 2016 Caleb Swan against freshman year. That was the Denzel Valentine, Bryn Forbes team for Michigan state went into overtime, but like Michigan state was frazzled in that first half in that first half. And Rayfield Davis did go off for five threes, but Michigan state did not expect to have Purdue's best defender guarding their second best player. Right. Rayfield Davis came out guarding Bryn Forbes and locked him up. He didn't score in that game and scored it. But it was it was like, like, we're going to let Denzel Valentine do his thing because he's he's going to score 20 points. Yeah. So so we're going to take away the wide open guy, the the lights out shooter that he's going to pass it to when he drives into a double team. And we're just going to play Denzel Valentine straight. A lot of it. A lot of it reminded me of what they what IU did against uh, Hammonds friggin' forever ago where I think AJ had like 31 points and the rest of the team hardly had anything. Yeah. That was kind of his, uh, uh, redemption game, I guess. Right. But he, there, he was under a lot of criticism that season. And yeah. Then, but you know, you know what I'm saying though? Like it was one of those where they were willing to let AJ have his and everybody else was going to get stopped. Yeah, but the you know, yeah, and and unfortunately, it sounds arrogant to say, but you know, most people can't recognize an in-game adjustment. It's just no. you know, it, it's it's the reality of of, of the sport. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, Painter's constantly making adjustments. Um, you know, when teams start to overplay that kind of ram screen that we use to get into the Chicago action, and then he runs the counter right where Edie Edie acts like he's going to take the screen, and then back cuts for a lob, and just like yeah. Things like that, like that's just what, yeah. What in our playbook, there's 312 plays or something like that. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, like Painter is a top five offensive coach. Yeah, for sure. And and it's interesting because he he kind of set out as 
you know, being known as a defensive coach and then kind of switched. Because during the baby boilers, it was defense all day and every day. And I love what what he says about his team and that or his playbook and that, you know, people always compliment me. I run great stuff. Well, I stole everything that's in there. Everything (laughs) is in there is stolen. But, you know, but it happens across basketball, but he's the only one that's going to actually admit it. Right. And that's and that's a big thing. But um, Frank, I'll pose a question to to you within last 14 minutes we have. Um, what do you think is the the rest of non-con and maybe the beginning of conference going to look like for this team? Because we've seen this team get to one the last two seasons, and it seems like it gets too big for them. Yeah. Um, oh, my Dylan God, he's back. And he, he looks like he may or may not be conscious. Um, so I wish Dylan, I wasn't. Dylan, to to, to, yeah, to bring you up to speed, to bring you up to speed, we're we're talking about, you know, what is what does this look like now that Purdue's number one, and you know, in the last couple of seasons, we've seen Purdue get to number one and then you know immediately lose right after and step on the. Um, so I mean, yeah, we we have Texas Southern coming up, um, who is currently ranked 260th in Ken Palm. Um, they have the 332nd ranked offense. Trap game. I mean, yeah, they. I mean, well, I mean, I mean seriously, though, like, they 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 shoot twenty four and a half percent from three. Uh, so naturally, I expect them to go forty percent. Yep, against hundred percent, never <laughs> um, fails. Yeah, they turn the ball over a ton. Um, you know, they they they're a horrible free throw shooting team. Um, and you just look at you know you look you look at them on Ken Palm. It's just red all the way down. Yeah. So invert all of that. Yeah, yeah, effectively. But you know, I I like the fact that we do have. <laughs> Eric, are you a Disney adult? I don't know. Yeah. Don't you judge him for that? <laughs> are you a um, Disney adult? I have but a you know, I like so, yeah. that, that automatic. Well, it's different. I like the fact that we kind of have one more tune up game, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before we go before we go to Northwestern. Yeah. Um, and you know, for anyone Northwestern's who, feisty, man. They are, yeah. They are well, and when we had the group from the Wild it. Chat on, for anyone who hasn't listened to that, we did preview the Purdue Northwestern basketball game a bit when we had those guys on here. Uh, great conversation. Definitely go back and listen to that. But their big question for their own team was, you know, who else is going to step up besides Boo Booey? Because last year it was the Boo Booey and Chase Audi show, and this year it's kind of been the Boo Booey show. But re- recently we've seen Barnheiser step up. Barnheiser? Yeah, Brooks Barnheiser. Where do they Stephano. find these kids and their names? Lots of alliteration it. going on on that team. We got Boo Booey <laughs> and Brooks Barnheiser. Um, I can't I keep it, it straight. I yeah, love me but, Boo Booey. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, interestingly, last season we saw Matthew Nicholson was one of the few guys who gave ED problems in the Big Ten. Uh-huh. And the other thing that scares me about Northwestern is they are a post-trapping team when they don't play Purdue. So Purdue forces teams to post-double who aren't necessarily used to it. But Northwestern's a team who who traps the post almost every game, and that and that scares me. Um, that being said, the, you know the mentality of the players they seem locked in. Like yeah. they seem like whether we're playing Texas Southern or we're playing on the road at Northwestern, they yeah. seem to be kind of bringing that same mentality. Yeah, for sure. every yeah. single they night. They definitely seem very this. And I might have mentioned it in the group chat. I've I know I've said it to a few people, but that this team seems very much in a revenge redemption type mode and they are very locked in with each other. And, and there's something, there's something to be said about the experience that Braden and Fletcher have, not just, you know, starting 35 games, however many games they started last season, but, you know, winning the big 10 tournament, you know, playing back to back to back games and then doing the same thing at the PK 85 tournament mm-hmm. uh, and then experiencing the most embarrassing thing that can happen to a team in college basketball, something that only happened once before in history. Yeah. Um, you know, so they've, they've been there. They understand what it takes. They've you know, seen, they're, in other they're words, they've seen some shit. They've seen. Yeah. yeah basically. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Adversity um, builds character. But, you know, currently Northwestern to drop some numbers, 63rd in offense in Ken Palm, 79th in defense. They are one of the slowest teams in the country, uh, which is interesting. They take care of the basketball and they rebound well. Um, haven't shot the ball great, only 29% on the season. So, again, expect 40%. Yeah. Um, great free throw shooting team, and they get to the line quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, 
a guy like Boo Booey, who, in my opinion, is one of the top three guards in the conference, scares me. Um, but but I think it, you just you stick Ethan Morton on that dude and just let him eat. If Purdue is who Purdue thinks they are, they win this game by seven, in my opinion. That's that's my they are that, who we my thought they were Western. right. Yeah. And and we're only, you know, we had a comment earlier, we're only six six games into the season. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do how do we react once teams start playing us differently? Yeah. You know, um, uh, teams are starting to have to respect the high ball screens from Braden, like we talked about earlier. So how do we respond to that? Um, is but those high, high ball screens or? open up other things for other guys. Oh, here we got a comment here. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Expect <laughs> someone to hit a three since they were playing the wine. They haven't hit one since they played in the YMCA <laughs> league when they were going up. Yes. Hit 10. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I expect exactly. only this guy can like... talk into a microphone. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and so yeah, question question for you guys. No, um, you know we for anyone who's listening or watching, we uh, us and the the Boiler Express podcast, we we text each other during games, and sometimes sometimes we every get emotional. Day, really? Yeah. yeah sometimes we get emotional. Sometimes we get emotional. <laughs> we all want Purdue to win, right? And that emotion comes out in different ways for. But we David we had a disagreement for like three straight days. Yeah. <laughs> we were Chris uh, just we were, throws cuss words around. Yeah, so gets for, confused. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like there are uh, we there are five of us who actually you know are on the show, and then we have our silent partner who just acts in the background who, yeah. who participates in these He's conversations our advisor. as well. He's the producer. Yeah, yeah. but he uh, you know they, it seemed like we we were evenly split during Gonzaga. So Graham Ek from Gonzaga. Uh, starts off, you know, Edie, Edie just lets him shoot. You know, he says 6'10", six, 6'11", six, six, center. Edie lets him shoot, bricks the first one. Then he goes, hit, hits two more. Like, he just hits shot number two, shot number three. And the disagreement we were having is, you know, should we should we leave him open or should we not? The guy was one for nine from three in his career. Now, he was two for two in an exhibition game this season. Um, So... Damon says, I hate Chris at least five or six different times during nice. the basketball Not season. Not wrong. Feelings mutual. <laughs> so oh, oh, yeah. so, so the, 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 the question I'm posing is, a guy who's one for nine in, in, in actual college basketball play in his career, he goes, he starts the game two for three. Do you change how you defend him or do you invite him to keep shooting? Invite him to keep shooting because those numbers aren't going to hold up. Dylan, what do you think? Keep shooting. Yeah. Let him keep shooting. Yeah. yeah. Well, let he, him, he finished the game two for six. Yeah. Um, and then so where's where's that threshold? Right. Where do you when do you change? Because like there is a, you know, there is a human factor that you can't measure. You know, he's in the zone, he's feeling it, he's got some confidence. Is he is it four for four? Is it five for five? Is it and four? You know, I will I will be a hundred percent honest. I think that is a coach painter and a game feel thing. Yeah. I think that is all a momentum and game field type of decision yeah and maybe i'm crazy with that maybe maybe well, some people are. well yeah some people out there don't think game feels a real thing i totally believe oh it, it absolutely is yeah i think we've, that, we've never been able to measure it no that being no. said i believe it's a real thing <laughs> i yes yeah. yes a hundred percent it goes yeah. in with confidence it goes on with how you're feeling it just it, it, yeah ultimate boiler says i think Defense should be played bar none. Doesn't matter if their shooting stats aren't there. Why not just play defense? Boiler guy should start his own podcast. Someone is yeah. going to miss a shot more often. They're being guarded. So I yeah. I, so 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 at 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 the college basketball at the at the high major level, let's say, and especially at the NBA level. But this is a college podcast. But you have to decide what you're going to give up. You you have to give up something, mm -hmm. and I think that. I liked the way Purdue defended that and that they're play, they're they're playing the highest probability ever. Yeah. Like when you keep Edie in the paint in that scenario and you let a guy who hasn't attempted a ton of threes and he's only hit one of them in his career shoot. You let him shoot. Yeah. Um I think that's better than getting him in the paint and that's why I don't want to see Zach Edie shoot threes this season. So to use a pro basketball reference like if you hit, you know, if if you force Joel Embiid to take a three, that's a win. Like that's a win for you defensively. Yeah. Because yeah. he is he's much more dangerous in the paint. Yeah. And same same with Graham EK. So yeah. I think that's something that you have to to give up. And yeah. there's an interesting comment here. As a coach, the rule of law is three. 
you will often see that during a timeout. Eric, if you could expand on that a little bit more, I would love yeah, to know. Yeah, that I would love to hear that. Hey, Eric, why don't yeah. we just send you a link and you hop on the damn podcast? Yeah. I would yeah. love to know what. You should have done that while I was here, not here for 45 minutes. We must be yeah. perfect. But Damon, I ultimately agree in that, like, ideally, every shot's going to be contested. Um, but, you know, in listening to a lot of professional coaches talk that, like, about their defensive schemes and, and listening to practices and stuff, I spent a lot of time this summer just listening to, um, pro practices and they they talk about like this is what we're willing to give up and this is what we're going to try to take away it's the numbers game it's taking it's taking an 80 percent two foot shot oh uh leap or guarding that versus a 15 percent three-point shot but i think you know if you close out hard on him and he blows right past ed there's no one else to stop him right so i would rather him take a shot on the perimeter than you know get an easy dunk so Here we have some more from Eric. Take a zone defense, for instance. If they hit three shots on you, you leave the zone. Oh, okay. I see what oh, you mean. Okay. So, so yeah. actual three three shots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought I thought you meant three point shots. So yeah, like it. Um, you leave the zone for man unless yeah, unless you want to play yeah. a zone. Yeah, you're gonna. Your zone same theory is applied to a player who is shooting better than his numbers suggest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. When like Izzo, I know Izzo is famous for saying that like. Uh, things always converge to their mean, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a guy a guy may start three for three from three or four for four, but you know, if he's a twenty five percent three point shooter, you know, he's he, he's bound up. to miss some. It's yeah. the law of averages. That's what he calls right. it. Yeah, the law of averages. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad I don't get paid to make those decisions. No, for sure. And it's like we talked about going forward on fourth down. You know, you look like a genius if it works. Yeah, you look like an idiot if it doesn't. Yeah, but ultimately, you know, I'm I was I was okay with letting him hit a couple threes mm-hmm. versus the, the, the alternative, but ideally, yes, every shot's being contested for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, boys, right about an hour. We did pretty good job. Wow. Yeah. You guys never happens. Yeah. You guys never did. Happens. Yeah. We did a pretty good job today. We didn't the have Chris Dylan run his mouth. Fantastic. Well, hey, for, for a minute, Dylan, it was just the Frank show. Chris just, Bailey. Yeah, no, I, I was watching while I was deleting a ton of files. Yeah, apparently my file, you know, my computer. Had to yeah. So, so Dylan, I I, I want to get your take. Do you feel like uh, Purdue is unnecessarily disrespected right now? Oh yeah, I, there's really no reason for it. I mean, it's purely based on history, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And and the the number one thing that other fans bring up is Fairly Dickinson. Fairly Dickinson. That's all you. Oh need. yeah. Yeah. Other than that, they that's have no other. Barely my Dickinson. Like you can, you can be having an intelligent discussion about basketball and someone will just drop that. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's Once a, there's a certain the 16 seed fairly Dickinson. Then they're like, see it. You're, you're nothing. Yeah, there's you're a, not going to uh, have a knowledgeable conversation. There's a, there's a certain member of a uh, big man or a particular individual who has a knack for that and just fairly yeah. Dickinson every time yeah. basketball comes up. Cause they're not like, smart well, enough to come up with an intelligent. Yeah. Okay. And listen, I'm not, because they haven't made attorney in like four years. But... Well, that happens. Yeah, Can't really. like, uh, okay. Uh, I, thought, I, I, I thought we were talking about this season and like, is it embarrassing? Yeah. Did I wish it didn't happen? Yeah, 100%. But, sure. Yeah. It sucks. But like, Hey, yeah. listen, man, like shit happens. Yeah. And I, and I think I, I don't understand the hate around Edie either. Like, He's not like a Grayson Allen type, right? Like <laughs> he's not. If anything, he takes yeah. the hits. You see the sc- the kid has literal scars on his arms that he did not have before he got to Purdue. And so we have I don't a question know. here: Does something that happened seven eight months ago really fall into history? Well, I guess by history I mean the you know the last three seasons. Who you know, and and like we <laughs> Purdue seems to get the brunt of St. Peter's. And people seem to forget that they upset Kentucky, number two seed Kentucky as well. Um, it's like so, that so gets my forgotten. Th- my thing is this: is there's an entire off season between the players that played on that team last year and the players that played on the the team this year. Yeah, yeah. While they might be the same players, it is worlds different. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. especially in college. Especially mm-hmm. when you well, get smoked like that. that. Yeah. The, yeah, that that's the second half of this comment. Plus, it's the same team, same players, and and I would argue that's true to it to a degree. But I think that Lance Jones adds an element that we didn't have last season. A hundred percent. Lance Jones, Edie, and, and Miles Corbin. Shot he put up and drained like it was no big deal. Yeah, right. I, I'm 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 telling you all, go see Lance Jones play. Like you, you, it's hard to respect his athleticism until you see it in person. I mean, it it is crazy. It is crazy. And so there was no one on Purdue's roster last season 
I mean, he's borderline Jaden Ivey athletic in transition. So, and, and I know that's, I did listen to a Gonzaga podcast. I reached out to him to try to see if they want to talk about the Gonzaga game. They never responded. Um, but they were like, it's basically the same team from last year. It should be an easy win for Gonzaga before the game. And I, that's why I asked him. I'm like, Let, let's talk about this because it's not the same team. I mean, yeah. no. we're returning it's Zach Eady, but like we, did, we didn't have names. a Lance Jones last season. Yeah. We didn't have a Cam Heidi. We didn't have a Miles Colvin. Yeah, you know, and those we three we alone completely change the aspect. Because are our centerpieces like, the same? Sure. Yeah, but you know, but, the, the guys on the periphery are very, very different. So last Zach year, Eady's. Zach Eady's a whole different beast. I feel like this year, just yeah. mentally, he seems meaner. He that's what I was gonna say. You saw I forget what kind of what play he made, but he stares at the away bench, just sits there in like two seconds, stares, walks away. He's he's like not he just seems like he's in the zone and that he wants to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's there to kill somebody. Whoever thinks they're gonna guard him is in for a tough night because he's gonna beat their ass. Here. He's one of those guys everyone will hate since he's not on their team. Yeah, everyone yeah. loves to hate Zach Eady. They love to call him overrated, they love to call him. You know, oh, well, just, if he wasn't oh. if he wasn't seven foot four, then he wouldn't be good at basketball. But yeah, man, if you were to say, "Hey, he, you know, Zach Eady wants to come play for your team," I guarantee they'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, for sure." I hate this word, but I, I like the swagger Edie has this year. Yeah, he's he's just got a different oomph to him. I don't know what it is, but it's different. So Produce had a comment here. Produce had the same trend the last three seasons: great regular season, fumble in March. Agreed. Yeah, yeah and 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 that's ultimately the reason why we're you know, so immensely disrespected right now mm-hmm. because people will say like, okay, yeah, Purdue started six and oh, they have the best resume in the country. They're number one in Ken Palm, they're number one in AP. Who cares? They're going to choke again. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I shouldn't care. Like I said, this, I shouldn't care, but it's really getting on my nerves because commentary is doing it. You know, it's like, like Jay Billis said, it's like, they can't get the ball into Edie. There's no offense. Like, I'm like, no, like that. Are you watching the same game, man? Like Edie's drawing a double team, a triple team sometimes. Like, oh, exactly, man. Eric. He's no longer your buddy, guy. Guy, <laughs> yeah, Colin, you're saying Zach has been in America, American long enough that the Canada nice has worn off of him. Yeah, 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 yep. And then, he just, ooh, he's a interesting, dog, man. interesting yeah. comment here. Just like Hunter Dickinson, no, I would love Hunter Dickinson that. if he was at Purdue. Maybe not a popular opinion, but I would. Now, I'm going to agree with one one caveat here. He shuts down his podcast. Yeah, uh, that dude cool. sticks his in his mouth more than anything I've ever seen with that dumb. Oh, he like he like calls opposing players soft, opposing fan bases soft, like and stuff like that. Like, and then he's like, "Oh, everyone hates me. I'm the you know number one enemy." I'm like, dude, you bring it, you bring it on yourself. Like, yeah. you're, you're you're like a WWE villain. You gotta man. expect for it to come back at you. It's bad for Fox Sports and ESPN are essentially saying Purdue does nothing in March when it matters. Right. I mean, and like we, we hear about it during games. We hear about like, yeah, oh, Purdue just, you know, they, they're like, and it's like Purdue's eight for 10 from three. And we talk about, you know, our, you know, like, like they the guard just struggling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But hey, let's, let's year, let's change that. Uh, let's change that aspect of things and not give them anything to talk about. Right. So, I mean, given all this, th- this conversation about, about what's happened in recent tournaments. <clears throat> in your all's opinion, what's different this season that we've seen so far? Zach's Why could mentality. this be the season? It's Zach's- the the whole team's mentality. It's yeah, business like. It's They're- it's workman it's workman like lunch pail hard hat mentality. They you know what they call that, Chris? Grit. They're right. gritty, they're tough. Zach, I think Zach goes into games now knowing he's going to get beat up. Yeah. Knowing they're going to literally quite literally scratch and claw at him. I'm not surprised if he doesn't get the shit beat, shit beat out of him with a barbell during practice. Now, uh, it's the, the Zach just has it. I, I don't know what yeah. it is, but he's got it this year. Yeah, and see, I Damon, I, I appreciate you keeping us level here because uh, I don't, I don't want to get my head too high in the clouds. But you make a good point. That was being said last year too. Um, so I think the one thing I've noticed is that we're not complaining this season. Yeah, things don't go our way on the officiating side. Like, I'm just going. I mean, so like Edie even said it in a post game interview. It's like, hey, they miss calls. Like, we need to stop missing layups. You know, like, yeah. like, like we can't. You, you can't say anything about the officiating. We're missing layups. So like, they're human beings. Like, 
but like last season, you know, we kind of saw Painter go off um, on the referees at Maryland's like, you can't play this physical. You got to make these calls. Um, but it just seems like, Hey, like this is, this is how it is. Let's just let, let's, let's go play. We should you invite know? ultimate boiler onto the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really like, he's had a lot of really good insight. Yeah. We should. And uh, yeah, defense, defense is better. The one thing I think is different about this team from what I've seen so far is our ability to just give you different looks with different lineups. Like, all right, you're, you're, you're going to go small. I mean, yeah, sure. We're going to keep Edie on the floor, but we'll put in first TKR, um, you know, lawyer and Braden. Like now, now we have an extremely athletic lineup outside of Edie who is athletic for a seven, four guy, but yeah. Yep. That's what I think is different. Yeah. Well, I think we had a good one, boys. Well, you oh, guys yeah. did. I'm glad oh, I yeah. hopped on the last 10 minutes. No. But... Yeah. Again, thank you for everybody for stopping by. Ultimate Boiler, you should start your own podcast because you're yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you to the, everybody who stopped in, all the comments. Thank you to Big Banner, Blitzboards. Check them out at cincyblitzboards.com. Martin Vintage, remember, take uh, or use BXP at checkout for 10% of uh, Ultimate Boiler like Fletch. Drive the ball more. It's not the most athletic looking drive the basket, but he gets in and gives us another look. Yeah, it's an yeah. Inter- interesting comment here about Fletch driving to the basket. And I think, you know, he did do that last season at the beginning <laughs> of the season a lot. Um, yeah, no, but- I, and th- yeah, totally. That's all right, Ultimate Boiler, quit bringing up good points. Yeah, yeah, he did. Start he, your own he did, podcast. But, but and Start also, podcast, people forget nerd. that he was. People forget that Fletch was injured for like yeah. you know at least half of last season. He had a calf yeah. injury. Hey, bring up yeah. Nick's comment real quick. Boilers by a billion. Get the damn of course, spoilers by a billion. Get the damn bucket. But definitely, um, check out all those guys that I just talked about. Banter. Blitzboards, Martin Vintage. Check us out on anywhere that you find podcasts on Apple, Spotify, uh, Tinder, Grinder, whatever. Whoa. Wow. Um, <laughs> didn't, know, didn't know we'd made our way to do that. that. Farmersonly.com. There whatever. They um, love us over there. We're big yeah, on Farmers Only. Only oh, yeah. fans. We created our own OnlyFans. Yeah. Oh, stand by. <laughs> um, but be sure to. <laughs> Be sure to check us out on all those podcasts, all the different things. ChristianMingle.com. Yeah, everything. They wouldn't um, like us. I don't think they would like the way we do things. Nope. Those but, heathens. But remember, tomorrow, IU sucks, boilers by a billion. Amen. Frank? Frank, wake up. Yeah. Boilers by a billion. Boilers by a billion. Get the bucket like, Literally, you guys really think, yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. let's beat. Uh, let's focus on beating uh, Northwestern as well. Yep, <laughs> get through that. Well, yep. All right, everybody, have a good night. Be safe. We be love good you. to each other. See you next week. Thanks for Bye-bye. tuning in. Boiler out.